Right. So I, I guess you you are a journalist and um, more interested in writing and reporting. So what basically led you into that? Why did you make that decision in life? Because I mean, for for some of us, while growing up, we we wanted to be doctors and you know lawyers and all that. I don't think I, I ever heard of anyone saying they wanted to be. Um, a journalist from the onset. So was that a decision you, you made from, from early on? Okay. Um, I guess I would say it, it has always been a thing for me, maybe not the writing and the reporting, but then I guess broadcasting, I, I guess um, I've always been very much fascinated as a kid with uh, broadcasters I see on television. So sometimes I, I, I even mimic them in the mirror and um, I, I just keep telling my friends that one day, like I, I can remember a particular day we were on the road going to school and then then one day I'll be like these people on TV, you know, all of that. But then, you know how um, 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 our, our, our Nigerian families and the stereotype around career and, you know, all of that. So growing up, getting to a certain age, I think I, I began tilting towards law because my dad um, was a barrister. Um, in loving memory. So I, I started actually, you know, um, thinking towards going into the law profession, being a barrister, you know, some days I'll go wear his robe, wear his wig and all of that. But I knew I knew my, my first love had always been, been communications, even though at the time I didn't know what it was called. I just knew news. I see people on TV. I just knew it was about news and stuff. So then, um, getting to the level where I get to make the decision to study a particular course in the university, I altered and for law and then I, I, I applied to the University of Nigeria and Suka, but unfortunately I couldn't get that. So my second trial, I tried to still go for law, but then my, my, my actually my, 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 my second trial, I did want to go for communications, you know, but then I was still having doubts and stuff. And I can say family always plays a very key role in some of these decisions. Sometimes it's, it's good to also have a family where everybody um, doesn't think alike because um, it got to a point where I had to choose between a lot of decisions and growing up and being smart, people think you should just do sciences and they put you in sciences and I go back to say, no, this is not what I want. You know, family and all of that talks and all. But then at the end of the day, I can say, yes, I, I took the bold step and I, and I went for communications. My second sister was very um, supportive and she said I should go for communications instead of going for law this time. So I did and I got in. And then, you know, I, I kept going in the broadcasting path. I, I, I wanted broadcasting, I wanted broadcasting. But along the line, I realized that my senior friends that had graduated before me were writing and I could read their works and I saw the impact it was having. I saw, I saw um, the change in policies. This their, their writing was, you know, affecting. The, it was it was just it for me. I loved what I saw. I loved what um, I, I would call names: Linus Una, Iroma Kelechi. These are my very close friends, and I started admiring writing. You know, I said admiring. I've always, I've always been writing as a young girl, like just scribble some things, but then not necessarily serious journalistic writing. So I just wanted that, and so I, I said tilting gradually towards writing, 
putting out my works out there. I tried broadcasting after university. Uh, I still do. I, I still have some um, affiliations with radio stations, but then I realized that at the end of the day, it wasn't necessarily my thing. I loved writing more than I loved talking on radio or on, on TV, like I've always wanted. But then, yeah, I, I guess that was how I ended up doing this and ended up writing more than I, I would actually want to be on air. So yeah. And then um, in the course of this and all of this, I realized, yes, this is actually where I want to be. This is actually where I want to make impact because at the end of the day, if you ask me, it's in writing where you get to express yourself better because the broadcast media in Nigeria is so much censored that there are some things you can't put out there. And when you do, it's either they come for you or they find your organization heavily. So the, the people in, in the broadcast media are actually not as free as people in, in the writing medium because we get to actually write more and do more journalism, you know, more crude journalism than yeah. you'd have or get in broadcasting. So I guess, yes, yeah, that, that, that's basically been it for me. Yeah. I think as, aside from the fact that government um, censors radios and television stations, as it were, I think also writing that there's a way on a personal note there's a way that it improves your thinking and sort of helps yeah, you think and express yourself more. i don't know if, if you've experienced yeah that. of course of course you know writing is creativity it's yeah. it, it's not just what anybody can do yeah people people see your writing and like oh my god i know i i couldn't do this i can't do this but then you're doing it it's amazing so and it also stems from a place of you, you get to read more you get to research more because if you don't you can't write yeah. so i feel like you, you you actually get more knowledgeable as a writer uh, sometimes in broadcasting that you just go through as as you're as you're on air you're, you're going through whatever it is you want to go through and you're reading it out yeah. to people you get you don't really go back to they do i see most of them do the show prep and everything but then how much of that do we still have in nigerian media you know, the, the, the show prep going through your programs. I, I see broadcasters these days while they're on air, that, that's when they are doing first-hand reading and first-hand, you know, dishing it out to the public. But then I guess for you to be able to write and put out a very concrete work, then you have to go through some sort of reading and researching. And at the end of the day, it makes you knowledgeable. So even when someone sits you down to like ask you questions about what you've written, you can give background to 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 the piece you've put out there so i think yeah yeah what you're saying is true but uh, have you faced any um warnings as it were from the government like like uh, <laughs> i can't say i've been most threatened that there are journalists that are, are like um you know I don't know. I don't even know the right word to use for them right now. But then, yeah, they are, they are doing so great. And then the government is always after them. We yeah. have the likes of Abba Jalinko. We have the likes of Shore. Yeah. You know, I am not I am not those people. <laughs> but then, of course. Go, go on, go on. Yeah, but then, of course, you know, as, as journalists, it's, it's a thing you get to face, even um, as a starter, because I, I can still say I'm still in the 
early stages of my career so I guess attacks but I know I've had cyber attacks and I, I, I would not say I've been most threatened like I earlier stated so but then I, I'm still in the early stages of my career and I can say I'm I'm, I'm gearing up for anything that comes my way because yes I've already had some kind of experiences with mm-hmm. cyberbullying you know there are some stories you put out there I guess one of one or two of my fact checks I've got direct emails from people you know saying stuff threatening me you know, cussing and all of that. So but the, the very first time I experienced it, it wasn't funny because these things play on your emotions. Yeah. So I guess as a journalist, you have to really be very hard on yourself and on the things that are thrown at you. So I, I started getting it a lot and then I got used to it. I'm like, okay, whatever anybody says, I'm just going to grow a thick skin and not and not get bothered about it because definitely it's it's... It's what we do as journalists. Everybody's not going to be happy about it. And then um, I also remember um, during the NSAS protest, I was out on the field and then I was recording. So I was just, you know, recording some of the things going on. I just wanted to capture everything in video because I was also like um, sending it out live on um, sending it out on Facebook, sending it out on WhatsApp status to let people know what was going on here in Cross River State as we, that particular day, one of the police guys was coming so fast, like he started threatening me, he started saying stuff and, and all, and then people were like, wow, why is he chasing me like that? He said he was going to do this, he was going to do that. So, and I know that a lot of other journalists in places like Lagos are even facing worse stuff, so I didn't I didn't take it as um, as a big threat, but then I was scared because anything could happen. Yeah. There could be a mishap and there could be gunshots and anything could happen. But then I'm, I'm grateful that at the end of the day, when we get to do all of the things we do, we still come out and um, we're standing tall and we can still go out on the field and do more. So, yes. <laughs> Here's the thing that personally, I've been exposed to a lot of the Western media stuff and at times, I think that that's a personal fault. I, I tend to look at the Nigerian um, whole journalism sphere through that lens. There's a lot of propaganda okay. in the Western world, a lot of people that you know, okay, they are not doing real journalism. Um, this is clearly agenda-driven. And so most times when I also look at the Nigerian space, subconsciously, I'm, 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 I'm looking at it and saying, is this not agenda-driven? And so when when I when I hear stories like like yours now, I'm I'm quite pleased that okay, there are actually people out there who are putting themselves there, knowing that those things will come even from from the God. Because when you are doing real journalism, you have to know that you're going to be criticized, but from the people and even greater from from the government, because especially you know, investigative journalism, you're exposing stuffs, say yeah. what what's um you did with it with the tax stuff in, in, in Cross River and, and some of these other things. There's this other guy, I think his name is Fisayo. Um, if I, yeah. Yeah. So he, he he actually started, he's an investigative journalist. And the stories that he 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 actually publishes on his website, I ask myself, how do how does this how guy does sleep? he do that? Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. Are you preparing yourself for that actually? <laughs> oh, Fisayo, Fisayo is like um I I'm, I'm looking for the right words right now, you know Fisayo has has so much established himself in the investigative journalism sphere that he's become a force to reckon with 
you know mm-hmm. even the governments themselves know that no this guy is giving them a tough time and i'm very impressed by what he does and as as much as possible i would want to meet fisayo mm-hmm. physically you know to really like get to also you know there are some times when you see people in journalism you just feel like i need to i need to learn from this person i need mm-hmm. to like drink of this person mm-hmm. i remember one of the programs he organized then i wasn't i was in the east at the time i applied for it and then i got in i was supposed to go for a training by whom you know um but then i wasn't able to make it to lagos at the time and i really wished i i was able to so yeah if you ask me if i'm jerry myself up for that I, right now i can't really say because our work is one that um is one that takes you to different um you know different fairs sometimes you don't even know what your work is going to turn into in the next minute it's just like what i've been telling you in the past few days my 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 schedule has been very busy because it's been one thing to the other and all and i'm going to i'm going to in recent times start seeing myself reporting on you know budgeting and procurement and investigating into all of that so and at the end of the day you when you put out these stories people are like wow how did you do that so i feel like that's that's it sometimes you just get to get some kind of idea or something strikes you and like no this is not right this is not right something needs to be done about this you get and then you start pursuing the story so i feel like that's basically what life of a journalist is and that's what fisai has been doing over time i feel fisai specifically looks out for the wrongs you know social injustices and he wants to dig deep into it he wants to find out what exactly is going on and he wants to hold the uh, people responsible to account so i feel yes it's it's a thing that every journalist should be ready and willing at all times to do if you are faced with a situation of injustice so you should be able to ask questions. You should be able to, to say, okay, um, what should I do about this? What should I do about this story? There are some stories now that I'm considering working on, yes. And um, these are stories that I came across or probably during conversations with people and I hear about them and like, no, 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 no. This is so, so wrong and something has to be done about this. So yes, I guess, um, if at the end of the day I find myself doing stuff like that, I'm not going to be surprised because it's it's a journalistic thing. It's it's something that yes, if if I find myself doing, I'll gladly gladly do it. And then I'll say it again. If I can't have a a training or one on one with Fisayo, then I guess it's going to even change a lot of things in my career because it's it's contact and connection is another thing that really helps in building yeah. people in a career path yes so i i guess yes i've i've, I've had yeah i've had a couple of messages with him back and forth and i've told him that sometime i, w- I would like to um, speak with him but it's just that he he's he's very busy and he's not been able to, <laughs> to give me an exact exact <laughs> date but definitely I'll, I'll be able to to track him down so back back to you oh, is there a niche that you're that you're focused on um or is it you know any story that you see that interests you that you want to pursue or is that just something particular that is fair that you're okay. you know, looking at okay um yes of course i, I guess every journalist has a niche but yeah. then um it might be it might be more than two maybe more than three so but i used to i i cover stories on um human rights gender i think um, i'm most also um 
triggered by gender, anything that has to do with women, you know, um, girls. I am I'm currently doing a story on um, maternal mortality, you know. So all of those, all of those um, um, topics like envi okay, environment. I used to have a program on radio on environment. What radio was that? So, sparkling two point three FM in Calabar. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, but then what what that did to me was it also made it also opened me up to um, environmental journalism and all of the possibilities out there. So I I recently got into the climate tracker yeah. media mentorship fellowship yes so it was all of those um the, the exposure i had to environmental journalism that moved me to apply for that fellowship and then i got in and i can say yes it's it's another new terrain that i've realized is interesting and i am willing to explore and if possible kind of um narrow down on it so um climate change is even though Africa contributes a little to global warming, mm -hmm. we are most impacted by it. And there's a whole lot going on, even um, around the issues of climate finance with all of the monies being, you know, pumped into um, the um, yeah, the global south mm -hmm. to be able to probably take care of the impacts of climate change and where these monies are going to, because there's a whole lot. If you ask me, if, if people really took time to look at some of these issues and some of these areas like climate change you realize that there's a whole lot of even misappropriation going on in, in those spheres so yes I, I think i also want to explore that climate journalism to look at everything around um climate change climate impacts climate finance and climate solutions so yeah that's another new addition to my interests but basically generally i'm i'm most interested in human rights gender stories of course recent most recently climate and um and health yes so those are my those are my specialties so now are you more of uh, independent or do you do you work with this specific specific media house or you you know do you okay. spread your stuff your stories um, around <laughs> okay so right now i'm i'm freelancing okay. yeah i'm actually freelancing i, I write for any media at all you get to, I get to pitch my stories. I get to get fellowships. Yeah. Yes, and I get to write. Yeah, yeah. So basically, that's it. And you think that is, you know, better than personally too. I, 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 although I have personal websites that I'm trying, I'm, I'm hoping to build. Um, I don't know how how that would happen. But <laughs> it <laughs> would happen eventually. Hopefully, but I'm also going to freelance and stuff. So, do you think that it's better than just, you know, sticking to one particular um, media house. What are your thoughts about that? Okay, yeah, as much as possible, I would still want to go back into um, working for a particular media house. I guess there's there's something it does to you, you know, it, it helps you build capacity in a particular area. It helps you become invaluable in a particular area and you become, um, you know, efficient and an asset. You, you don't just double into anything you get. But even as freelancers these days, freelancers are becoming more specific in, 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 in their interests. Yeah. Sometimes you reach out to freelancers and they tell you, there are some stories I personally wouldn't go for. Okay. You get. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, like, not, like I'm, not, one, I'm not one to do um, something like tech reporting, for okay. example. 
yeah so there, 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 are, there are some stories i wouldn't if, even if i saw opportunities in, in them i wouldn't say oh i want to go apply for this so it has to be something that interests me before i can go for it i've i've actually worked with a media house yes of which i still the, the sparkling fm I, I spoke about i still have um affiliations with them i still go there i still you know do stuff with them but then i'm, I'm not fully with them it's, it's still more like freelancing yeah. so i but 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 at the time when i was there it, it was interesting to to be in the newsroom to have a newsroom where you go to and then you people have editorial meetings you know you get sent out on 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 jobs you get sent to events you people work out a you know a plan for the week and how you want to pursue your stories and all of that so i find that interesting of course i do but um one thing i realized about freelancing is that freelancing helps you do more like special stories you don't just do any house stories you don't just wake up and start going for events you go and sit as an event for hours you know waiting to get you know, some some story for your organization, and if possible, some some sort of um, um, gratification of which they would expect from you to, or whatever um, engagement or whatever arrangements they have with the organization organizing it. So I feel like most times also, I, I've, I would want to move away from that public relations because there's a thin line between public relations and journalism, and if you're not careful, you're gonna you're gonna be doing public relations you know, instead of journalism. So most times, because it's a media house, so you get organizations wanting people to come cover their events, and of course, you're gonna to have to report in the favor of whatever organization you're covering, even if, you know, they might not be doing the right thing. Yeah, so basically I feel that's, that's the only difference right now, because as a freelancer, you're not just doing any house stories, you're looking for special kind of stories, special reports, investigative reports, reports that, you know, concrete reports people can actually read, long form journalism that people can actually read and, uh, you know, take something out of it and just go, not like to uh, just listen to the news, uh, maybe like just daily updates of the news or what's going on in the news or what's going on with some sort of organization. Mm -hmm. So I feel that that's where it's different for me. So I know that if I'm doing a story, I am doing a story and I'm taking my time to dish out a very good piece of story than to just wake up every day and find myself maybe doing tidbits or doing stories, jumping from here and there, gathering stories just to make up for the day. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I feel I feel that's that's the difference for me. Yeah, I mean that's why we were speaking before we we really started. Um so yeah. I said that when I I saw your story on, on Ripples Nigeria or the tech stopping in Cross River, I was quite grateful because you know how you were able to bring um, the experiences of different people. Uh, because before I, I, I came to where I am now, I, I worked for about two years in Lagos and mm. it didn't happen to, to, to our office a lot. But once in a while, some of these guys, our streets sort of opposite um, the local government, the mm. local government office. And at times, some of the guys there, they come from the local government and they come asking for tax. I mean, and I mean, this is an office. It was an estate um, office. It's not just a roadside, you know, mm. office. It's a real office, you know, that has about four or five other branches around around the country. But yet, these guys were, you know, pestering us with tax and all that. And our boss was paying his tax, and his tax wasn't to be paid to the local government. Yet, these guys were, you know, making this these demands. 
Yeah. Now, if if you look at our experience and compare it to likes of the the, the tricycle guide, tricycle guide that you, you did mention in your in your reports, you you wonder, you know, about those across the country who who are experiencing this. So, wh why did you really, you know, pick up this this story? Why did you um um do this? Okay, so first of all, you, you spoke about, you just talked about Lagos, and mm -hmm. I can say Lagos is a very large economic hub, and I can even say people are making money in Lagos. So even though, yeah, multiple taxation is not good, but even if they are taxed to the bones, they can still see one naira to give to the tax collector. So, but it's different for people in other parts of the country, just like the state where I'm residing right now, Cross River State, Crush River State is not necessarily a business um, environment like that. Yeah. So people are trying to live by the day. People are trying to, people barely, you know, make it through the day because- More like a hands-to-mouth kind of a thing. Do you understand? Mm -hmm. Yes. So and at the end of the day, you find them going home maybe with 500 Naira. And then out of that 500 Naira, which is their profit, you come and you take one, one Naira from them, maybe like five times a day. And you ask me how a man with family can feed his family with, with the amount he's left with to go home with. Do you understand? Mm -hmm. So what, 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 lesson, what happened during that period was, it was really the COVID-19 period. It was tough on everybody. You know, students weren't going, going to school, people weren't going out as much. So this, this um three cycle three um cyclists rather, you know, we call them kekena We can just go with keke. So we call them kekena here in Nigeria. So really it was it was something else. It was something else for them at the time. It was affecting them, it was affecting their businesses. And it felt as though that was the time when the tax collectors themselves also needed money. So they came out and they were, you know, clamping down on these guys and asking for money. So I guess the state, the, the state governor, um, um, Senator Ben Ayade, was also moved by all of what was going on at the time. Was it part of what led him to, to cry in one of the videos? Sorry. You know. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> one thing I can tell you, one thing I can tell you is, um, yeah, I'm going to say it, I'm going to put it out there that Cross River State Governor is a dramatic governor. Oh, so. we, I mean, he's not the only one of them. Ah, I mean, <laughs> he yeah. is quite dramatic. Oh, yeah. I, I, I think, I think we, we, we are actually having fun in the state. Sometimes mm. he wakes up and he, he says, our budget is a budget of Olympotic Maristemasis, and everybody's laughing. Like, so I, I feel, I feel he's just a funny person. So, Yes. And so when I saw the, the video, actually, uh, the video was already in circulation. And then mm. my friend, Patrick, it was Patrick Egu, you know, he reached out and sent me the video. And then we went through it together and he said, what could we do about this? He would want us to do something about this. Already I had been reporting on, on the tax, you know, the, the multiple taxation mm. during the COVID period on this um on these uh, motorcyclists and um, you know Kekena peps and even the taxi drivers for the radio. So normally, you know how radio is. Radio is transient, so radio just carries it once and that's it. So, but then I, when when Patrick reached out, he needed us to do more in-depth reporting, not just um, the um, short short reporting this time. He needed us yeah. to go more in-depth and find out what exactly is going on. So yeah, the state governor was moved by that was moved by the COVID period, like I said earlier. So he he made that statement. But it, it would interest you to know that this 
this is this that was not the first time he was making that kind of statement you know he had made it earlier on in 2015 he had made it again i guess in 2017 i think he had made he had made the same statement a couple of times but i feel the same thing kept happening over and over and over again you know how these things happen here in nigeria after governments makes um, you know makes a statement if it's not backed up by working policies or probably a legislative not giving if it's not given a legislative backing and enforced people don't take it seriously so i feel most times when he says it he doesn't enforce it and then it goes back to what it used to be all of these thugs go out on the streets again and start collecting money from people so it felt like the covid period was very very serious um it was seriously affecting these um small business owners at the time so um he came out to make that statement and then I started following up on it to find out, okay, what's going on? What exactly is going on? Why are they still collecting money from these people? Even after they had said they should stop collecting money from these people. People are suffering. People are trying to make it through their day in this COVID times. And then you, you still go ahead and still keep collecting money from them. So I, I was there out on the streets speaking with them. And I realized that it gets to the stage where these people even try to, you know, beat them up, take their 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 um their kekena peps from them and find them. You know, when they go to their offices, they find them as much as twenty thousand naira. Um, oh wait, to... wait, sorry. The thugs have offices at work. Okay, some of them are actually governments. Governments. Oh um, my. Yes, do you understand? I mean, so government thugs have... or what? Or government uh, workers. Um, some of them, some of them have offices. Some of them have um, are under government. Some of them that collect these taxes are under government. And then some of them. Sorry, are, is it the state or the local government? Some are local governments. Okay. Most, 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 most of, of them would be most local often local governments. Yeah. Most often local governments, and then sometimes individuals. Because what I got to find out was sometimes you can come to a locality and they tell you, ah, this is it's that man that is in charge. This they they they'll call some sort of name. You know, I remember during the during during the course of my reporting, there was a particular man they called his name and said he is the one that's that is reigning in that particular locality or the particular environment. So everything goes through him. You know, and he's so, a big man there. Sort of. Yeah, he's a big man there. Some kind of terror. You know, Nigeria. Yeah. So, so some somebody sometimes comes to a particular environment and and unleashes terror on people and becomes like their king or something like that. You know, so I, I feel the, the man is someone they fear. Even the even when I was interviewing some of these um, three cyclists, they were mm. like that they don't want anything, they don't want any problem, yeah. that the man shouldn't come for them and all of that. So you see that there is fear for this particular human being that sends out these thugs to go collect money from them. So he so, sort of sponsors the dog in a sense. Yeah, he sort of sponsors the dogs, and then he sort of claims to be the owner of the land where they are using as their park. Right. something like that yeah so so those those were some of the um you know illegal illegal thugs and stuff going on you know you don't even get some of these people you don't even get to know who is behind them mm -hmm. you know and for them to be doing what they are doing of course there should be some political backing and then if you if you had read my report properly pro properly you will you will see where i spoke about um the house of assembly member that uh, said stuff about he 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 been um, in the know that some of these 
thugs are being sponsored by politicians that they are political thugs and he knows and then but that but that when, when we see them okay the particular statement he made was when you see them bring them to the house of assembly and we'll deal with them so and i'm asking myself and even when that program went on air when when um i i think that particular voice note from him was played on the radio people kept asking questions how would a political figure say he knows that these thugs are being sponsored by politicians and he knows these politicians, but then the public, when they see them, they should bring them and then they will deal with them. So it's it's just a government that is it's it's confused. They don't you know, know they don't know their responsibilities. <laughs> you know, it's not that they don't know their responsibilities, they know themselves, they know what they are doing. They know that at the end of the day, when when the governor says what he wants to say, or you know, when anybody, maybe some of their colleagues say anything they want to say or set up policies, what is happening will still be happening because it's it's a carcass. So they know what they are doing. Do you understand? So you can't say you know someone is doing something. Why not go? take that person and penalize them, or probably make them pay for what they are doing. And you're asking the public, of which you know the public won't be able to hold them to account because all of you are in the same business. Do you understand? Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's, 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 it's deeper. The, the issues are deeper than we actually, we actually think they are or that can be seen on the periphery. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, basically, I think those were some of the things that drove me to do that story. And at the time, it had impacts because the state started clamping down on some of these illegal taxation tax mm. um, tax masters. You know, started um, getting some of them, some of these thugs. You know, um, then the state government set up um, the anti-tax agency. You know, and gave it a a, a put it gave it and it, it set up an agency yes and then um, that agency then was also trying to clamp down on some of these illegal tax masters and all and yeah i think that was basically it, I mean, it this is not to really critic agencies and all that but in the end who, who is going to head these agencies i mean um what how are we going to be sure that again it's not one of the lords and kings um, of a particular place that you know recommended someone, you <laughs> know, the government. Why the, <laughs> that, that, maybe I'm just being a little bit silly and, and cynical here, but I, I kind of it worries me when we have the government, and then going back to what I said, part of why I I, I think that they don't know their responsibilities is. If they actually know their responsibilities, they'll be clever in some of the things they say. Mm -hmm. Because if if this particular um, House of Assembly um, guy actually knows what his responsibilities are, he wouldn't have. He probably would have said something else. I, I don't know if, if that sort of makes sense to you. <laughs> I guess he didn't know when he said that. Oh, it was kind I of a Freudian slip. I mean. Yes, I, I think he didn't know when he's he, probably he he just he just probably forgot he was speaking with the media. You know, he was he was lost in the moment mm. because any right thinking politician yeah. wouldn't want to wouldn't want to yes say stuff like that in front of the media, knowing fully well that that's going to be the highlight of our reporting. That, I mean that that that's serious. So. <laughs> What, what were they sort of saying um, 
say that those in charge of the anti um, tax agency, what were they saying about, about this? Okay. Thing? Okay. So because of the way, um, like what you earlier said, mm -hmm. you know, you, you never know who you want to give to head the agency yeah. um, at the time. So the state governor knew he couldn't also put it in the hands of persons who would jeopardize the plan he had or who would, you know, who crippled the plan he had. Mm -hmm. So he gave over the agency to be headed by um, a religious leader, a I mean, priest to be precise. <laughs> I, I get it, but is it, here's the thing, is the priest qualified? I mean, so yeah, that's the thing, because at the end of the day, it felt like the priest himself was being roped into the politics of which wasn't right, you know, because even though yes, religion these days you can't really you can't really separate religion from politics. All of these things are intertwined. Yeah, yeah. they are they are all doing the same thing. Yes, yeah, some of them are even fueling some of the issues we are having. But then you know he he gave it to the priest. The priest himself was you know trying to also use um, in quotes his church mind to also do the <laughs> right thing. You know. So but then during the interview we had with him, it was it was it was certain that a lot of things were not right by him. You know, and as at the time when the agency was set up, I think like two months after the agency was set up, there was still no legislative backing. So he was still going to the House of Assembly to seek for a legislative backing to see to it that he could actually do his job, maybe like set up uh, a mobile court that could, you know, try some of these illegal tax masters, you know, all of the back and forth. So obviously it's government, it's politics. There's a whole lot of procedures involved. So I, I guess also the man also really had challenges with getting through with all of those things. So yes, really, it's it's not easy if you if you ask me. But but you, you have and you go out there and you go out there, they are still doing that thing. So so till now, right? <laughs> yeah, they are still doing. It. You know, at the time, the local gov local government um, chairman had uh, had uh, had issues with the government for saying that those tax masters should be stopped because they even had they had, they had to have a meeting with the state governor at the time to, to, to say that uh, they weren't to also like express their views that they weren't so comfortable with them stopping these tax masters from collecting money you know so but of, of course it's at the end of the day it's because the local government themselves also have to do whatever it is they think they do. Me, I don't even know what, what that thing they do is. You you just come out in the market and you claim market is yours and then you start collecting money. So, you know, all of those things. So, yeah, they still do. They still do collect. They still do collect. It's still ongoing. The local governments still get to collect their, their fees from market traders. And I can't, I can't quite say as much right now because at the time, yes, the reporting really did create impact because they had some some of them bundled and you know taken taken away by the anti-tax agency but then for the normal government local government taxes and all yes they still do pay i can't quite say about the illegal ones maybe i'll get to go back and do some sort of investigation again mm -hmm. because you never really can say because they do it so um secretly that you don't know what's going on unless you're on the ground. I, I, I got a video of a particular guy. I don't know. I think it was down, down my report. If you had read the last, you would have seen a video I attached to it where I, I tried to get a clip of a guy that was collecting money from the traders. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I did. I did that because if they had caught me doing that, then I, I don't know what would have become okay. of me. Because some some of these guys are not just, um, you know, they have their backing. Mm-hmm. They, they some of them are, are claimed, you know, to be into some sort of secret society stuff like cultism. So a lot of things happen. You know, somebody can start following you up or you know hack you to death and stuff like that. So I really. I, <laughs> I really tried my best to try and see if I could get that clip and then I did. So yeah, I feel even if you really want to still find out if stuff like that is going on, then you have to also still go on the ground. But on a normal day, you still see the normal local government tax masters collecting their tax. That is normal. But for you to really find out about all of these illegal ones that are doing doing their stuff secretly, then yes, you have to still go back on the field and do some kind of underground check. Yeah. I think there are lots of uh, things that are feeding this corruption in, in, in our society. Mm. But w- what pains me most is the government that should be upholding justice and you know what is right and all that. When they are the ones that are front and center of, of this whole you know crazy stuff, you begin to wonder, is there any hope for, for, for such a society? I mean, it's, it's really heartbreaking. It's really heartbreaking. But personally, do you have do you have any opinion or thoughts on how um, this can be dealt with or resolved? Okay, um, the issue of corruption in Nigeria. No, no, I mean, I mean, or in this corruption area. in Nigeria. Not, not, not really corrupt. I mean, this particular <laughs> situation. I mean, because I, I believe personally here yeah, when it comes, I believe that corruption is a heart problem and. When we have people in the government who don't understand corruption to be a human, I mean something that is that is synonymous with with human nature. When we have people in power who don't understand it, then they can't solve it. Because most of them, what they look at it now is corruption is the other people. I mean, you see APC accusing PDP of corruption, PDP accusing APC of corruption. But someone who understands what corruption is would know that each and every one of us are prone to corruption. And then you should step back and and you know ask yourself, okay, do we have structures in a sense that at that level can check all those things? Which is why I said the the legislature that said what he said they didn't understand his job because if he did, he should know that part of what he should be doing is making laws that will make sure that these people don't get away with it, and telling the people, see, you can actually sue these people. And then we're having a judi- and then having a judicial system that when these cases come, they actually treat them as they come. And if they find that these people are guilty, they actually deal with them according to the law. But when we have people who do not understand those things and then they can't even deal with it, it's like the people are the messies of those who call themselves the lords and the kings and you know the courtes who belong to the greatest of society. Mm-hmm. I feel the problem is um, I feel the problem is that some of these leaders actually have good intentions. If you ask me, let's not even um, discredit that fact mm. that you and I, before getting if we, if we decide tomorrow that we want to get into government, we would definitely have good intentions. But when you get into the system, you realize that the system at the end of the day is not just about you. Yeah. So there are a whole lot of elements, there are a whole lot of factors, there are a whole lot of people pulling at you, mm-hmm. you know. So 
it, it, it becomes it becomes a bigger problem. Now it's not just about you. It's it's about every other person around you that that doesn't want you to do your job. You get. I remember I remember one of my colleagues was saying stuff about um, always talking about a particular dump site, you know, that is situated in a particular place close to people's residence and people around this place have always been complaining about this dump site. And, you know, my colleague was always, you know, advocating for government to probably move it, take it somewhere else. And it would surprise you to know that she started getting threats from a particular man. That why would she be saying that the dump site should be moved? So this dump site, this particular man is making money from the dump site. So he would rather do anything and everything to ensure that that dump site stays where it is because that is where he's eating from. So even if people are dying from pollution, he doesn't care. He just doesn't want anybody to say anything about it. He just wants that dump site to stay where it is. Do you understand? Mm -hmm. So sometimes it's it's not necessarily about, okay, I want the right thing to be done. Let's just go out and yeah. do the right thing. Sometimes all of these elements, all of these factors, they call uh, they call them, you know, um, the cackles, you know, they, they try to pull you down. They try to, <laughs> politics is deadly, Absolutely. you know, and yeah. And especially in a place like Nigeria, where they're, they're, we have, we have a rich in Nigeria, there are a whole lot of resources, but it's being channeled to some, some pockets you get. If, if things were allowed to be done the right way, I feel Nigeria will be competing with a, lo a whole lot of other countries of the world. But then because the problem is endemic and people are looking for ways to siphon this, yeah. these resources for themselves, it, 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 it's, just, it's just going to not work out even if you have good intentions. So yeah, I feel, I feel it, it, um, there has to be a stage where people get to, our leaders get to become independent minded if you ask me, mm -hmm. if they are really going to really stand and do the right thing, then they should they should be independent minded. They should get into position. They should let themselves understand that their words should be their bond. And if they say something, they should follow through and do it. They shouldn't be swayed by, okay, this person's interest or that person's interest and even personal interest. Because at the end of the day, what happens is somebody gets into government and because he knows that he's going to be out of government and tomorrow he's going to want to go to the Senate, he would want to be in the good books of some of these guys. Do you understand? Mm -hmm. So that when he leaves office tomorrow, they can actually push him to go into the Senate to continue enjoying from um, um, the national cake. So I feel if they can actually remove their minds from over one thing, you know, power hungry, wanting to get to the next stage. I know it's, it's they might call it um, them moving through their career or probably going their career ladder because as you, I, you and I are looking for how to climb the career ladder, that's how they are also looking to climb the career ladder. So yes, I feel, but then I feel leadership shouldn't be about climbing any ladder. Leadership should be about to serve, go there and serve and come out. Mm -hmm. And then if you like what you've done, we'll put you back in position, put you back there. You get, so it shouldn't be about, okay, let me please these people. And then so that tomorrow something can come out of it for me. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the day, it's about their own personal interest and also about the interest of the other persons they are working with. Yeah. So I feel, yeah, I feel if they can be more independent minded, be, be able to make their own decisions, without being concerned about what the after effect of, of, of probably they, you want to do something right, just like what the state governor here 
try to do, you know, by setting up that particular agency, you know, trying to stop taxation and all of that. You can now start, you, you, you can go ahead and give it a legislative backing, make sure the House of Assembly sets up a bill and passes it that this is now a law that this is what it is. Nobody should do this. And if you do this, these are the penalties. You state it out clearly and at every point continually read it in the ears of people. You know, because we're stubborn in our country that even if you do, if you say something today, tomorrow, a lot of other pe people are back to doing that same thing you say they should not do. So you should be firm on your resolve. If you want to do the right thing, then go ahead and do the right thing. Put out a policy, put out the law, state the penalties yeah. out there. You, you get without even um, bothering if your friends or your colleagues or people you're working with are going to be are going to be indicted. You just do the right thing. And then if at the end of the day, they, they find, you find out that they are part of it, you, you also penalize them. There is no you, you don't you don't. Um, um, how, how do they say it um, right now? I'm, I'm looking for the right phrase, you know. You don't try to please a set of people and, and displease the other set of people. And you're, the people you're displeasing are the people which are the public that you're supposed to be serving. And then you're, you're pleasing your cabal, people that will take you probably to your next political uh, um, 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 you know, platform or stuff like that. So I, I feel that would help us a long way. And if they can be such that even if at the end of the day you serve as a governor and you go back, you sit in your house and you're satisfied that you really served and you did something and you changed a lot during your time. Even if you don't go into the next political cadre, or even if you don't move to the next stage as you would have probably wanted to, I feel you would have more peace of mind knowing that during your time, you did something for the people that they can actually look back and say, yes, this man served and, and we're grateful for the fact that he was here. I feel you're gonna have more, 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 um, um, more worth, more value, and more life even added to your years than to just do all of those maneuvering, you know, leaving all of those corrupt practices, do all of those things, and then at the end of the day, tomorrow, EFCC is chasing you from one state to the other, from one country to the other, and you don't have peace. So yes, I feel they should they should really do go and do, go out and do the right thing if they really want to do the right thing, you, you know. So I feel that that's what they should do, really. I think also you 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 hit the nail on the head when you were distinguish the cabal and the people. I think part of it is that our leaders do not think that they are accountable to the people. And this is this is why I would say that, um, not just because that is apparent in all they do, but they do not think, they do not believe the people can vote them out. Because we have a system where, I'm sorry to say, elections are rigged left, right and center. Now, even at the local government level where, you know, states that organize the local government elections, most times when there are local government elections is um, whichever state or sorry, whichever party is in power in that state that, you know, wins all the councillorship positions, the chairmanship positions and all that and all that. I mean, it's, it's factual that our elections are not, I mean, very few you know yeah and so the belief that if they can you know if they can serve the cabal whoever you know is in charge of you know manipulating the elections and all that even at the risk of the people then you know they are they are they are serving the right person and so it's whoever i mean 
maybe i'm not saying this clear enough yeah but they because if you believe that the people can vote you in and out i mean you will sit up somehow yeah does that make sense yeah i i think i get where where you're coming from but then at the end of the day it seems like these people don't have any power to do yeah even the house even the house of assembly themselves the national house of assembly Mm. themselves naturally or you know constitutionally they should they have the right to be able to you know call the president to order and even even move to move for his impeachment but with the way it is in nigeria i doubt they have the the power to do that well nigeria is a complicated (laughs) no maybe maybe I, i shouldn't say complicated but I sort of I I I I get tired whenever I begin talking about Nigeria and it's like oh not again. <laughs> and and, <laughs> and that's have- why you find us and that's why you find that most times um you know people in Nigeria themselves always feel like oh the only the only way out is to just you know, leave. leave the country. Happy yeah. yeah. how many of us will leave? I'm sorry. Well, <laughs> how many of us can actually leave and live? Yes, it's not easy. So we, we spent time talking, um, talking, talking. I mean, and <laughs> I've kept it here so long, and I actually wanted to, to touch on other subjects, but maybe, maybe some other time I, I can I can get you to um to talk about that. Definitely, I would always be willing to have these conversations with you. All right, so where can people go to track some of your stories? And I know, as you said, you're freelancing, but somehow people can always check you out somewhere, I guess. Yeah, my my link tree is there out there on my social media accounts. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though I've not updated it lately, but I'll do that. I'll put in some of the stories I've published lately there. So my link tree is there on my Twitter, my Twitter at Vivian Journal. Okay. Um, yes. So then on my my Instagram as well. My link tree is there on my Instagram, Vivian underscore twice Chimi. All right. Um, then on my Facebook as well, Vivian Chimi. So yes, I guess if you go to all of these places and also on LinkedIn, Vivian Chime, you'd be able to see some of my stories. Yeah. All right. So I'll I'll, I'll do well to include those links um, when I when I get this. All right. Yeah. Thank you so much for for your time. I really appreciate it. All right. Thank you so much, Manuel. I also enjoyed um, this conversation. Thanks. All right. Take care. All right.